Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. Welcome back to our study of the resurrection. Both Jesus and Paul liken death to sleep. Does this mean we enter into a passive, dreamlike state when we die? Jesus shared a story of what a rich man and a beggar experienced when they died. In the story, Jesus teaches vital information about the conditions we can anticipate when we die. On our last program, we left off talking about this idea of falling asleep. What does it mean to fall asleep between one's death and the resurrection? This is a term that Paul uses three times in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when talking about the concept of a resurrection. He describes death as falling asleep. It's a description that Jesus uses in the 11th chapter of John when he is talking with his disciples about the death of their friend Lazarus. Jesus says Lazarus is asleep. His disciples say, well, that's a good thing. He needs to sleep because he's sick, and if he sleeps, he'll get well. Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. Lazarus is dead, but I'm going to wake him. So Jesus and Paul both presented death as this idea of falling asleep. And as we left off on the last program, we were talking about how the death essentially represents the separation of one's spirit from their body. So here's the body of Lazarus. The spirit which gives us life has departed. Here's this body just lying there. Jesus says, I'm going to go wake him and he's going to come out and be alive once again. This description, however, leaves us with the question, well, what happens between death and the resurrection? Is it just sort of this unaware state, kind of like sleep, where we're not cognizant of what's going on around us? Maybe we've got dreams. Is, is that what Jesus and Paul mean? Well, I don't think so. And as we drew the last program to a close, we began talking just a little bit about the story of the rich man and Lazarus that Jesus relates in Luke chapter 16. In Luke 16, beginning in verse 19, Jesus says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously each day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of stores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar, Lazarus, died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now let's just pause here for a moment and let's consider what's happening. Now as far as I can tell, this is not a parable. Jesus does not call it a parable. And Luke does not tell us that Jesus began to speak in parables. As far as I can tell, this is an actual account of what someone experiences in the life between death and the resurrection. So here are two men, a rich man and a beggar. Both die, 
and they end up in two very different places. Lazarus ends up in this place of rest and comfort, a place that Jesus describes as, as being in Abraham's bosom. And I basically conclude that, that Lazarus was reclining or leaning against the chest of Abraham. Now this, to the Jew, would have been a, a very powerful piece of imagery. Abraham was their father, and Abraham was a personage that they anticipated meeting in the life that followed death. So we can conclude that Lazarus was among the righteous. He was laying upon Abraham's bosom, which once again would be a place of comfort, of repose, a place where Lazarus, who had led a very difficult life, would find a great deal of consolation. In contrast, we see the destination of the rich man. The rich man lands in this place that Jesus describes as torments in Hades. This is the abyss, the deepest part of Hades, if you will. This is where the wicked go following their death prior to the resurrection. And as Jesus points out, this is not a place of comfort. This is a place of torment. He's in torments in Hades. And as we go on through the rest of the story, we find that the rich man's condition is quite painful, quite uncomfortable. And of course, implied in all this is here is this rich man who lived the easy life here upon earth, had this beggar that was sitting at his gate and never apparently lifted a finger to help. So let's continue on. Then he, the rich man, cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Let's just pause there for a moment. Here we get a fuller picture of what the rich man is experiencing while he's in torments in Hades. He's already suffering a degree of punishment, and it's an unrelenting punishment. Can you imagine being so thirsty that just a drop of water would seemingly satisfy your every longing? That is the torment that faces the unrighteous in between death and the resurrection. Abraham, in verse number 25, responds to the rich man. Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise were Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from, here, from there pass to us. Now what intrigues me about verses 25 and 26 is, is Abraham's response. Abraham is not God. He's not Jesus. He wasn't able to look down, I don't believe, on Lazarus' life and see all the things that had happened. How did Abraham come to know what Lazarus had suffered? How did Abraham know anything about what the rich man had done in the previous life? Well, I think it's quite possible that Lazarus, as he was laying on the bosom of Abraham, was talking with him about his life, about what he had experienced. You could almost imagine him saying, Father Abraham... I was destitute, I was sick, I was miserable. The only comfort I had in life were, were dogs licking my sores. And every day there walked by this rich man who could have 
held out his hand and helped me. He could have given me assistance, and yet he refused me day after day after day. Why did he do this? You can just almost imagine the sorrow coming out of this man's words. And you can just imagine Father Abraham just comforting his descendant, saying, I understand. The world is cruel. The world is a horrible place. But now you're in a place of comfort and peace. Be content. Find peace in this life. You you can just kind of almost see how all this is playing out. So when the rich man shouts across this great gulf to Abraham, here's Abraham responding to the rich man saying, Listen, buddy, you had your chance. You had it easy, but you didn't make it easy for other people. And now this man who has suffered in life has found comfort and peace. Now the reason I bring all this up is because if, in fact, death entails someone falling asleep, if that's literally what happens to the soul, that the soul goes into this state where they are unaware of what's going on around them, how do you account for this exchange between the rich man, and Abraham. Abraham does not strike me as one who has been roused from a slumber, who is unaware of what's going on. No, Abraham strikes me as someone who is perfectly aware of the the plight of this man, Lazarus, who is leaning against his bosom for comfort. He knows what's happened, and he's able to respond to this rich man. Now remember, this is happening between death and the resurrection. If Abraham and Lazarus, who are righteous people, are just asleep, how do you account for this exchange? And as Abraham points out, there's no way to go from torment to peace in this particular condition. There's this great gulf fix between the righteous and the unrighteous, and neither side can pass by. The rich man does not give up. He says in verse 27, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. So the rich man wants Abraham to send Lazarus back to the earth to present himself as alive from the dead and to convince the rich man's family that there is a terrible place to come. And you don't want to go there. Make your corrections in this life so that you don't have to go to this place next. Now what really intrigues me about this particular part of the story is here we have a man who's lived his life. His destiny is sealed. He can't go to the place of the righteous. He is stuck where he is at. And what's he concerned about? He's concerned about the people that are in this life. You know, sometimes I think... People who hear about Jesus, who learn his ways to a greater degree, and perhaps are, are placed in a position where they have to challenge what they were taught as, as children. I think sometimes people have a hard time believing that their parents or their grandparents could be wrong. That if I accept what the Bible is saying, that means that grandpa and grandma that loved me and I loved them, They've passed away. That means that that they're going to a place of torment. And that's a stumbling block for some people. They just don't want to come around to the truth because of it. 
What I find very intriguing about this is that the rich man who was in torments wanted something better for those who remained behind. So if you find yourself at times, as you're studying the Bible, as you're getting to know Jesus better, running up against what you have been taught, perhaps there are people that have passed away that taught you as you were growing up and you figured out that they were wrong and that makes you wonder, well, what what if they're in this place where the rich man is? Well, if they are, what are they going to want you to do? They're going to want you to find the will of God and to do it and not go to this place. So as we draw this to a close, Abraham says, your family has Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. The rich man responds, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But Abraham said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. We have in the word of God enough evidence to persuade us that we need to repent. And for some people, even the idea of a man raising from the dead and preaching repentance is not enough to convince them that they need to change their lives. That's the message of Abraham. Do we see here righteous souls that are just asleep with no awareness of what's going on? Far from it. Far from it. And I think from this story we can take an understanding of what truly happens between death and the resurrection. Thanks for listening to The Gospel Saves. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find him on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know and do his perfect will. Because I promise I